Hey folks, Laurie here. Just wanted to do a quick intro that because of uh, holiday times and busyness and just to sort of give ourselves a bit of uh, breathing room, this week's episode is actually going to be one of the old episodes that we recorded and never released. This one is probably the last of those, actually, unless I manage to somehow find the audio from the episode that I'm no longer convinced we even recorded, but we both have this weird false memory of doing. I've scoured my hard drives. It's I haven't found it anywhere. So unless unless it does exist somewhere under some stupid name I don't remember, this is probably it for old episodes. This episode was originally recorded on June 1st, 2020. So that tells me this was going to be the very next episode, right before we decided to not do a podcast anymore. And um, I think you can hear the weariness in our voices. Uh, the most depressing thing for me, though, about re-listening to this a year and a half later, is how little has changed. Oh boy. So buckle in and enjoy this episode. I love blood and guts and stuff, you know. It, it turns, I'm serious, it turns me on, you know, ever since I was a little kid. Because I love, I love the feeling of being scared, you know. Welcome back to Queer Horror Cult. We're kind of recording this last minute because I think, like a lot of people, been kind of taken in by the state of things. Yeah, the the world kind of burning, so recording a podcast doesn't seem like the most necessarily pertinent use of our time. No, no, I I don't think it does. Um, But here we are. We figured, fuck, that maybe this will be a good distraction. Yeah. So, uh, I suppose we'll get to the topic of the evening. This week, we are not doing the usual approach of a super curated, like, these are the three movies we watched, let's dive into the movies, but we're doing a more holistic look at special effects makeup. My bread and butter. I've talked about on this podcast before briefly that we sort of do, or we do, in giant quotes, uh, the indie film thing. We've tried. We've had we've had a go at it, mm-hmm. and uh, what really got me on my way into filmmaking at the start was effects makeup. Mm-hmm. Like that was the thing that really jumped out at me, and I had an interest for, and I started dabbling with stuff like that on my own. And uh, so yeah, special effects movies have always held a really special place in my heart. Uh, what I think the, the best practical effects do well, and what I kind of look at effects. For is it should be spectacular, it should be a spectacle, something that really wows you, but it should fool your audience, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like, I feel like that's the problem with like the hundreds of millions of dollars pumped into a CGI budget. Is it's like, yep, someone did that in a computer. Oh, they did a lot of things with a lot of computers, but that's what you're looking at. Like, no one's and it's none of age. the magic and none of the like. Uh, when I say artistry, I don't mean they're not artists because yeah, they definitely yeah. are artists, but the artistry of trying to 
fool your audience with the effect. Well, you think is, of it as like an illusionist versus yeah. like a, I don't know, hyper-realist painter. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah, one is conveying with the best available technology and everything, yeah. whereas the other is, yeah, tricking the eye. Yeah. Playing with attention, playing with detail, playing with different things to, like, you know, fooling your audience into thinking they're seeing something that they aren't. And, like, you know, people are fairly savvy to horror movies now where Mm -hmm. you know it's an effect, but it's still something when you just, you're like, wait, how did they do that? Mm -hmm. Or, like, what did they do to make that look so convincing? Like, that moment, it sucked me into the movie. And that's what I really love about this kind of effects makeup stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the big the big hitters kind of took that illusionist approach to how to convey their effects and their scenes. And so I figured we should maybe look at a few of them. Hell yeah. Okay, so like the the big granddaddy of makeup effects, the guy is Dick Smith. He's sort of who all the major 80s effects guys learned from. Mm. He pioneered all kinds of techniques, including... Um, his formulation for Pax Paint that was used for painting big latex appliances and silicone monsters and all that. Okay, um, that was I know, that guy. I know when I was uh, sculpting that rotting severed head for the movie we're making, mm-hmm. uh, I was talking about the paint I, uh, yeah. I, I was making. I remember. Like I was making paint, u- using paint, like not completely mm-hmm. from scratch, but... Um, Mixing yeah. components into it to make it, make it better, suitable. more suitable, suited to the material yeah. you're painting. Yeah, but that's... Um, he was a big dude for that, and uh, his work is really renowned all over the place. He, he wrote a book. He was one of the early guys to actually write a book that's like, here's how you do it. And I thought that was really cool because it wasn't so much the guarded Yeah, the secrecy. gatekeeping, like, you uh, can't know the get to Dick Smith, can I talk about the gatekeeping? Oh, yeah. I have things to say about the gatekeeping. <laughs> um, I tried to get into the effects scene here, locally, kind of thing. I took some courses and stuff, and uh, I did pretty well at them. Um, The instructors did a good job of teaching and all that stuff. And they gave good feedback, so you're not just, like, blowing smoke up your own ass. Yeah, exactly. Um, But I noticed that the sort of, like, DIY idea of it is... Antithetical to what to what they they think. Like, there's a lot of people that talk about how if you don't have like a certified makeup degree, you're not a real makeup effects artist, and then because you can't license yourself or you can't say you're a professional because you didn't go to school for it, and you know they take the stance that you can't learn this stuff on YouTube, you can't learn it on your own, and I'm thinking. How the fuck did all these masters learn it? They made it up. You yeah, know? They, it's a lot not of times, like, like as they went, and this, and when you say masters, this isn't like you know, hundreds of years ago or something, like when no, paint was like, invented. This, this is, is like from the, like the less, 30s to Yeah, today, this is less you know? than a century ago. Yeah, yeah. This is For um, some of these techniques, for the people, like some of them are still alive, like Tom Savini and stuff. Like yeah, they're still yeah. around. They invented this stuff. Yeah. I appreciate that people work hard and they want to be like, they want to put their best foot forward. And it's like, I'm a professional. I'm taking this seriously and all that kind of stuff. But then to just shit on all the people that kind of learn for the fun of it and actually get good results, mm-hmm. I don't get it. I hate that gatekeepy bullshit. It's antithetical to indie film, indie yeah. horror, and all that. And so, fuck it. Anyway, so that's my very uh, weird tangent on this kind of bullshit. But I think it does speak to how these guys started. Is It really was. We're Like, with horror especially, we're making a movie. We 
we it's not just like a play where we can mm-hmm. be like put a guy in a costume they everyone know it's an actor on a stage kind of thing just do your best it's not like a book where you just write a description you have to visually show the audience in front of the camera and since film largely especially over time has become a very realist medium i mean i'm not saying that everything is grounded in reality that they show in film but there's this kind of eye for realism where it's like yeah you can't be that abstract with it otherwise you're making an art film and um, with that in mind, it's like, okay, how do we sell people on these effects? How, and with the spectacle of film, there has to be a bit of marvel to it. And that's kind of where these guys came about. And Dick Smith, I want to say it was closer to the end of his career, or, you know, he was going strong by this point. But one of the sort of, I think, highlights of what he could do and what he could pull off was with 1973's The Exorcist. Hmm. You've seen The Exorcist, right? Yes, I have. What do you think of this movie? I mean, it's been ages since I've seen it. Like, yeah, it's, I saw been, it, it's been a while. Yeah, for I me saw too. it like I saw it as a teenager, and yeah. then I don't remember if I've seen it again since. But yeah, I remember it being even though like the first time I saw it, I was still in that you know that was sort of one of the first like older classic whatever horror yeah. movies I had seen. So being used to more digital effects and contemporary effects right. and stuff, I thought part of, there was a part of me that was like part of it. I was like, oh, you know, they said this is the scariest movie ever made. What are they yeah. talking about? This is, like, totally aged. But then, at the same time, there are, there are parts of it mostly around the effects, mostly around Reagan, yeah. that are still, like, viscerally, like, yeah. oh, my They're God. They're very arresting, yeah. Yes, absolutely. I think, um, you know, there's the very infamous, like, head yep. swiveling around. But even just, like, the texture of her face yeah, the and stuff. the texture of her face and, like, the weird bladders they put under her yeah. skin so that, like, her neck can swell out and all that. It's... Uh, that is a good example, I think, of a movie really playing to its strengths in mm-hmm. that it's got a great character makeup design, and then all the effects are kind of worked around that. Definitely. And the character design can sort of help hide some of the effects. Like, you know, right. you have the weird mottled skin. It's like, great, you don't have to as seamlessly blend this appliance because you're doing the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that that was a really cool example of using makeup to sort of like it like the makeup scenes were hard hitting and stuff but i didn't feel like they were like movies like the thing where there's a big spectacle sequence where it's just like the movie almost stops for us to marvel right at this amazing sequence i, I think a great example of that's american world in london mm-hmm. the transformation scene like the movie yep especially on like a second viewing plays up to that point and then you have this showcase piece. Right. Whereas these effects are these, like, little things that are going on throughout the movie, but they... The more, like, um, sewn into the tapestry of the film as Yeah, that's to... a good way to put it. Oh, thank you. And <laughs> I think The Exorcist plays its makeup really strong mm-hmm. while being just subtle enough that it kind of wakes you out, but without... I mean, you don't want to go too subtle with the makeup yeah. effects either. Because... No, it's, it's more of a like, kind of like, if I'm thinking of like a wavelength kind of pattern, yeah. it's a more steady one as opposed to the like, woo, big jumps yeah. and stuff. Right, totally. Yeah, it's more of a like slow and steady, but consistent. Yeah. But this one was, um, you gotta wonder how much the makeup played into it getting into hot water. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's already, you know, like got the Catholic thing. It's got the child in peril <laughs> thing. It's got the child saying foul, foul things and doing foul, foul things. Yes. So I think it was even before the makeup effects came into play, it was kind of destined mm-hmm. to shock and to cause some kind of outrage. But there's something to be said about 
the way the makeup just kind of heightens everything mm-hmm. because there's just this really great acting going on and uh, really well shot, well constructed scene and all that. And then all of a sudden, just like out of nowhere, something will happen. Just like, ooh, her throat's swelling up like a frog kind yeah. of thing. Or, oh, the, the like, help me. Was it help me that's like pops up in the veins in her skin? That like sounds it's right. Yeah. Yeah, the, the almost like cuz if you were to just take the script even by itself, it just comes off as kind of like edge lordy, but then having yeah. like the visuals in there too really brings it all together that it's like no, it's a little bit more than that. I love that. Just like, <laughs> ah yes, the classic tale of the exorcist is a little edge lordy. Well, I don't know if you just like reading through a script and you have a child being like your mother sucks cocks in hell. Okay. I see, and like, I see what you're you know, yeah. masturbating with the crucifix and stuff, yeah. stabbing herself in the gen like a little edgelordy, but then yeah, when you bring the whole edgelordy. piece together of, like, the good acting, the amazing voice, the amazing makeup, like, yeah. all that stuff, it's, like, it's there's more to it. There's more, it's, like, three-dimensional as opposed to just, like, right. what can we say to offend people? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, no, um, since we mentioned it, I suppose uh, the two big hitters of the early 80s for effects that sort of came after Exorcist by almost a decade were American Wolf in London and uh, The Thing. Mm-hmm. For having these like spectacular scenes that still get talked about today, they still get put in reels. They're still considered those classic moments. Rightfully so. Um, so we talked about the thing. We yep. watched it fairly recently. These effects were created by Rob Botton. I believe Stan Winston was involved and helped mm. kind of make things happen. But do do you have a particular favorite effect sequence in this movie? Hmm. I mean the monstrous husky. The the, the dog kennel yeah, scene. Yeah, the whole dog like society scene is. Yeah. If you, I was everything is, is society was the, was the blueprint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, society, which came almost a decade later. Yeah, was the, was the blueprint. Yes, um, like that one is just like kind of leaves you speechless. You're just like, oh my god, this eldritch yeah. monstrosity! What the fuck? I think it also helps because it's the first big effect that's scene true movie. like it kind of punches you in the gut because we have this slow dread buildup. up yep. you know something's off with the dog you know something isn't quite right like right from the get-go but you're not quite sure what and then this sequence happens and it's just like oh my god otherwise um i also really like the one where when he goes to resuscitate the guy and that's just... what i was gonna say yeah, <laughs> yeah. the defibrillator scene yes when he just like the dude pops open and just starts oh no no it's like a <laughs> fucking turns into like a shark for a time yeah oh that's a good one i love that one because it's a great example of how they have this effect set piece and then they just keep building effect set mm-hmm. piece on top of set piece on top of set piece like first we have the scene when he goes to defibrillate him and his stomach pops open yeah, just, and like, then they just chomp his arms off you get the yeah. core effects of his arms being chomped off yep and then on top of that there's like it splits open and gooshes out this weird monstrosity that's <laughs> going up to the ceiling of that pillar of limbs yep. and then on top of that his head stretches off sprouts legs yes. and crawls out the room creeping away and it's just like one crazy thing on top of another and it all looks spectacular mm-hmm. like the part especially when his head stretching off kind of thing oh, and it's just yeah. like the the mechanics that in the face to make it gesticulate and move as it's just stretching off is really good like mm-hmm. jesus they must have had a really great animatronics team working mm-hmm. on that one it makes me think of the sad story fate of the prequel oh, of the yeah. thing that came out afterwards I'm going to say I didn't hate the prequel to the thing no, me nearly as much as everyone kind of shat on it for 
that said, some of the CG was really bad in that one, even for a movie that's 10 years old. Like, at the time mm-hmm. when it was new, it was not great. Yeah. And when you hear the story about that, for those who don't, don't know, maybe they've seen this movie and brushed it off, they did all the effects practically. Mm-hmm. And then the producers balked at it and were just like, oh, you need to... We need to recut this. We need to put some CG in there because that's what people want. And so they CG'd over all their practical effects work. Um, you can find the demo reel of the effects and the animatronics on YouTube. And it's just unreal how good some of those effects look. And then didn't the effects team end up making that, like, crowdfunding that movie Harbinger Down? They did. I haven't seen it, so I can't speak The effects to it, are but... the best part of that movie. It's not... That's what it sounded like. <laughs> It's one of those things you can kind of tell that an effects team took their effects appliances and crowdfunded a movie to use their appliances. <laughs> like the, the, the writing, uh, acting is not particular. See, it's hard to say if the acting's bad because the actors aren't doing a good job or because what they have to work the material. with is so bad. That's fair. But like, yeah, I remember just being generally disappointed by that movie. But then there would always be these cool effects scenes that you're just like, oh, okay, it's my candy. That's cool. This is what I'm here for. Yeah, but. Fair enough. I think the Thing prequel would have played so much better. I, it would have been received a lot better. A lot thingier. With the, yeah, it would have been in, in keeping with the, the classic. And what everyone loves about it. Yeah. And look what they did when they did the Evil Dead remake just a couple of years later. They stuck to the, like, let's just do practical effects. Right. Because we're remaking a movie that was kind of big on practical effects. Totally. And boom. And that was the right fantastic. call. Yeah. But yeah, going back to the thing, and as we mentioned, American Wolf in London, I rewatched American Wolf in London. Yeah, I can't believe you did that without me. I don't remember where you were. <laughs> you weren't home. No, I wasn't. But you, like, you weren't even like, hey, do you want to rewatch? Because I've only seen it once. I'll rewatch it again. Cool. But yeah, I found out you watched it, and I was just like, oh, oh I just I'm got sorry. punched in the gut. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Betrayal. <laughs> um, it's probably the definition of my problematic fave. Oh, yeah. Thing, because of uh, John Landis being the guy who made it. It's, um... Yeah. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. This movie's still a fantastic movie. Yes. Though, and the effect sequence in the middle of it, in particular, is just such a stutter. Mm-hmm. Because it's funny, they, they do the thing that you don't think you would do with effects, where they just have the camera linger on it right. for so long, and they just have it play out yeah. in these slow shots, and you see the effect. And that's where you have confidence in your work, because so much of effects right. work, and... I know so much of even my middling effects work is, okay, how do we cheat the angle? How do we shoot this in such a way and for only so long that it delivers the effect? How do we show effect, just enough? Just enough to get the effect as convincing as possible. And let and your, the no mind more. fill in the rest. Yeah. Because uh, I know our short donor had a pretty good, uh, a few good uh, effects tricks, and we want more for that illusionary kind of like, mm-hmm. okay, how do we trick the audience with this? And it's one of those things where it's just like, man, if we didn't shoot that the way we shot it and didn't have like the weird, because it was a POV mm-hmm. sort of found footage thing. Yeah, it shot on a, on, a on a GoPro. If we didn't shoot it like that, I don't think the effects would have sold nearly as well. No. no. But, but that's part of it. It's how different. you shoot it, right? Yep. So to see this, accordingly. this scene in American Werewolf where the effect scene is shot like you would a dialogue scene yeah. almost where it's just like we're just going to cut for this close-up as you see the guy's like hand elongate in yeah. one take and it's just like yeah th- this wasn't cg because that wasn't a thing you could do then mm-hmm. and uh see the hair growing out of his follicles and all that just these fantastic little shots oh, and yeah. it's um it's amazing how effective mm-hmm. they are oh yeah so that's one of my uh 
That's one of my all-time favorite effect sequences, and I don't think that that is a controversial statement to say, given mm. how often it tops these lists. Oh, yeah. No, I, I can't imagine. Another movie we covered, to keep going right along, uh, we covered this very early on, is The Fly. Mm-hmm. This one was by Chris Wallace doing the effects, and it netted him the Academy Award right. for the makeup effects. And I think we said at the time, too, rightfully so. Yeah, yeah. And by at the time, I mean of the episode recording, not... Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of this one for, for like, the way the effects play? Very effective, very, again, that, like, visceral kind of, like, not, it's gross without being, like, gross out. Oh, okay, yeah. it is kind of gross out at times when you just, like, vomit. When he so throws like, up on the yeah. like, oh, my, that's disgusting. <laughs> but, like, yeah, doing the, the gross without, but, yeah, gr- the gross in a, like, yeah, not in a gross out way, but in a make you, like, come face to face with your own mortality way. Yeah. If that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. If you know, you know. Well, I think it's just genius having David Cronenberg, the King Shoulda Body Horror, Mm -hmm. handling a remake of like a 50s sci-fi monster movie kind of thing. And then just putting so much of the budget and so much of the effort into the effect where it's just like, all right, this is going to be, this is going to be the centerpiece of Mm -hmm. this film. I, I guess I, I read the way they did that is they designed the fly monster first and then reverse engineered mm. it into looking like the, the man. Okay. The so so that Brundle way, fly was the b- b- blueprint and then Brundle came from him. Exactly. <laughs> so it's one of those things where it's just like, okay, we know where we want this to end up so that every stage of the makeup was very meticulously planned for like, the as evolution. one would hope, but yeah. like, it's one of those things where it's, it, there's none of this like, oh, he had this weird tentacle thing grown out of his dick and now it's gone. <laughs> like, you know, no. they, they planned it from the start. No, it's, it's, a, and, it's, a, it's an ev- stages of an evolution yeah. that sequentially makes sense. Yeah. And it's really effective. It's yeah. uh, great. And it's so funny how this is a very body horror effects heavy monster movie but it has so much heart to it that it just feels fucking tragic by yes. the end. Like, oh, we, God, we does showed it ever... this to a friend, or we recommended it to a friend, and she yeah, said I think that, she watched like, that. she cried. Yeah, I think, I, think, um, I, can't, I think she watched it, maybe even, like, listening to our podcast, and I was like, yeah. oh, The Fly, they're really talking that one up. Yeah. And then, yeah, she was like, I cried at the end. It was and so like, sad. I, I can appreciate it. I get that. it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a tragic ending. It is. It pull, tugs on those heartstrings, man. Yeah. And it's funny because uh, you would think something that's just spectacle of rubbery monsters, you you would think that it would be hard to get that human quality mm. to the ending, but the, it's still there. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because of how good the, the, the writing, the characterization was, how good the acting was as the person got less human and more makeup. So by the time we've got this big animatronic fly Fly monster like it doesn't even look like a person anymore it's this weird fly monstrosity but the character that they took the time to develop yeah it's still you know he's still in there yeah and this is what he's become and i think if the effects looked a lot cheaper it would have been a much harder sell Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah so those are a few of my favorite sort of monster movies like makeup effects like those slap those fuck (laughs) That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But there's another side to makeup effects that is definitely part of where I started at because I think it's an easy and obvious entry point into makeup. It's the gore effects. The, the blood. The blood and guts and the gore. Splatter. Uh, you suggested this when I, I wasn't thinking of it, but you suggested we, we drop a bloody feast. 
Oh yeah, I was <laughs> when you're like you suggested. I'm like, what did I suggest? What I don't even I remember say? what I suggested. How dare you say I said? But, but yeah, I figured if we, yeah, that's right. If we were talking about horror effects, then we absolutely have to talk about Blood Feast being pretty much the first to do that. It's the splatter movie. It, it invented the genre. It really did. And the effects are so cheap. They're so cheap. They don't really work that effectively, except for how in your face they are. Mm -hmm. Which is its own stylistic thing. Yeah, like when they cut off the person's leg, it's clearly a mannequin leg with some like red paint and a hunk of meat hanging at the end. But nobody before that had put red paint and a hunk of meat dangling in your face. Oh no, I just love the lady's red paint and hunk of meat. I've never seen that before. But it's shocking because... That red paint, you know it's supposed to be blood. Yeah. Even if you're not convinced, you're still shocked and appalled that anybody could commit this to celluloid. I will say, I feel like the effects probably still effective to effective on the, the more green viewers just yeah. by virtue of how they just really go for it. It's just like, okay, they're not convincing, but we're going to just... Like the tongue getting ripped out of the lady's head, the flayed person on the cooktop surface in the uh, or the altar in the basement of Wads. It's just, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> um, the gore effects definitely improved as movies went on. And you saw some really stunning ones in stuff like low budget. Um, do, 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 what I meant, Evil Dead mm-hmm. kind of thing. Hell, even like Dawn of the Dead from the 70s. Yeah. The, the bad looking fake blood with, notwithstanding. It's funny, I saw this thing. There's that documentary on Shudder about Tom Savini right now. Mm-hmm. I was talking about how they were so unhappy with the fake blood in Dawn of the Dead because it's that, like, 3M red paint shit. Right, like the, the stage stuff? Yeah, that they, before they went on to do Friday the 13th, they straight up, won't, like, they visited Dick Smith and Dick Smith gave him the blood recipe. Mm. And so Friday the 13th has that, like... Blood blood. What we know of as fake blood it's today. It's like movie blood now. Like movie blood, yeah. Tom Savini was actually a big one for those um, splattery gore effects. Like, I think he's kind of the king shit of that. It's hard to talk effects without shouting out Tom Savini. Mm-hmm. We and watched... those rock hard abs. Yeah. Jesus, yes. <laughs> we watched Maniac in 4K. Yes, we did. Holy shit are those effects. Like, mm. even in 4K where you can see every detail. It's like, okay, I can see every molecule of, like, I should be able to, like, smell the spirit gum kind of thing <laughs> just by watching this movie. Uh, they're still really effective. Mm-hmm. None more so than when he blows his own head off. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, for those that don't know, there's this sequence um, where Tom Savini is playing a character in the movie who's picked up this woman at a disco, and they're going on a date in his car. Mm -hmm. And the maniac, Mr. Maniac, is just outside watching them. And Tom Savini is about to drive away. He turns the car on and turns the headlights on, and when the lights come on, they highlight the maniac guy um, just standing there with this big old shotgun. He runs and jumps onto the hood of the car and then shoots Tom Savini in the face. Just and his head blank. explodes in slow motion. Yeah. Like, multi-camera slow motion of yep. his head just exploding. <laughs> and then how they did this is they, of course, made a fake head. Real shotgun, because it was the 80s. Yeah, it was a yeah. 1980 exploitation movie <laughs> by good old Bill Lustig. Um, <laughs> but Tom Savini was the gunman for the effect shot. So, in effect, he, he shot himself in the face to, to have his head get blown off. And then the one thing I didn't realize from the uh, some interview might have even been the Shockwaves one is um, they didn't have permission to do that. (laughs) They just fucking parked the car, took a shotgun, and shot a dummy in the face, and then peeled out of there before the cops showed up. (laughs) 
And it's like, well, that ain't some 42nd Street exploitation filmmaking. Cowboy filmmaking. Yeah, yeehaw. We salute our troops. Yeah. I think one thing I love about the gore effects in the makeup stuff is that's something you can do effectively for cheap. Mm-hmm. And it's a big part of, like, DIY filmmaking and indie horror. And this was one of the... This is the only movie we watched specifically for this week. Uh, Bad Taste. Peter Jackson's That's epic... That's right. Epic, bloody bloodbath. <laughs> he was uh, inspired by Evil Dead to make this movie. Okay, I could see it. And holy shit, the effects in this movie. For no money and just one guy kind of winging it, they look very fantastic. Mm. Like, they're cheap, they're cheesy, <laughs> but it just adds to the charm yeah, of this Yeah, it's the movie. whole movie. Yeah. They commit entirely, so it like, works. I think just, like, at the start where, you know, it's got the bad synthesizer music going, <laughs> it's the guy's being followed by the blue shirt dude, and then he pulls out that big magnum and shoots him in the face. And then we get to this puppet head, this top half of this puppet head, just gooshing blood <laughs> as it's, like, t- trying to talk to him, and sheep's brains are just mm-hmm. pouring out of it. And it's it does that mixing of, like, real butcher shop shit yep. with fake blood that so many of these movies do that it just adds this level, this gross level where it's like, oh, some of it is authentic, just not how you think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you think of Bad Taste? It was fun. I think, um, I'm trying to remember, I feel like we watched that when I was going through that little, like, feeling distracted while watching movies. Yeah. I felt like I talked a bit about that in the last episode, that I think it was with Bug. Because we watched this on the tail end of that. We watched it right Yeah, now. and so while I was, wa- was watching it, it was like, there was, it wasn't the movie, it was just something, whatever was going on with me, maybe the state of the world, maybe my, yeah. when my sleep got totally disrupted for a couple of yeah. weeks, where I just, like, wasn't totally present. So, right. it's like okay, I, I appreciate this, but I'm not totally here. So right. I'll have to revisit it for sure. But it, it was definitely fun. Yeah. Goofy as hell, which oh, I super, goofy. super appreciate. Yeah. It has one of the most sickening makeup effects I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> for something that just made me gag when I saw it the first time, I still had that little roll in my stomach. <laughs> but that's when Peter Jackson himself falls off the cliff. And first off, a fantastic dummy shot. Yes. It's a funny thing. He's on all fours like a cat. He's just somersaulting <laughs> down the hill. Apparently the reason he's in that pose is because they had to bake the appliance in his mother's kitchen oven. And that's the only way he can make it fit. Um, oh. But yeah, he cracks his head on the rocks. Mm-hmm. And he has this fucking sliver of skull that just peels back, revealing yes. his brain. And like whenever he's wheezing, you just see it flap and open like some giant like duck bill or something like yeah. that. And he's walking around constantly, like, shooting the aliens in the head and then scooping up bits of the rain and stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, that's definitely effective oh, for me, is that, the, like, squeezing just, in little bits yeah, of rain. And then using his belt to, like, tie. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, the part when he's wearing the top hat to hold his fucking skull together <laughs> and uh, the, re- the the rogue bullet goes flying and hits the top hat off his head and then it's just, like, <laughs> <and> his brain <laughs> flaps just open like and he just Tunes falls over moment. and has a seizure. And it's just like, oh, this is so trashy. <laughs> Uh, beyond the gore, there's also the aliens, and mm-hmm. it's just, like, giant foam rubber aliens, and <laughs> it's like, oh, man, this dude just made this movie with money he could scrape together on the weekend, and the, I mean, it's very rudimentary, but the aliens have, like, poseable faces, like, right. animatronic faces and stuff, and it's, like, full-on like, That's costumes. pretty novel. It's uh, so impressive what he pulled off mm-hmm. for, like, really no money, and that's why this is kind of, like, one of my, uh... Oh man, I want to make a movie. I need, I need that. Uh, 
ethos. That yeah, yeah, and I also need that inspiration yeah. kind of thing where it's just like I'm, I'm feeling down on the movie making. It's like I need to watch something to cheer me up. <laughs> and then that. Uh, and then you look at Peter Jackson now. Yeah, look at him now, <laughs> Rub, rubbing uh, rubbing elbows with Elijah Wood. <laughs> and then of course you can't talk gore movies without getting into my favorite geographic region of horror <laughs> movies: the Italian horror. I some of these movies look so cheap. Like, The Beyond, one of my favorite movies of all time. I cannot defend the spider <laughs> sequence where there's, like, a close-up in the foreground of a real tarantula walking, then just ever so slightly out of focus, but not really in the background. There's these big rubber spiders just going up and down, up and down, all these strings. And just stuff like that where it's like, hey, you're not fooling anyone, Mr. Fulci. <laughs> Senora Fulci. Cazzo. Um, but you pointed out that the city of the living dead mm-hmm. has some amazing effects and when i sit there thinking about it it's like yeah this one is top this notch is fucking dope first you have the zombies that are well not first in the movie but like i mean the zombies every time they kill someone in this movie they grab the back of their head yeah. and s- crush their skull like that's rather than biting people or eating brains it's like i'm gonna crush your skull with my hand yeah just metals and it's really effective for mm. something really cheap like it's clearly just we put a wig with a bit of latex right. over top some butcher shop brains, and we smushed them. And it's oh, just like butcher shop brains look fucking gross. So I it works. Want, I wonder why the brains taken from a butcher shop look like brains. Right? Who'd have uh, thought that these mammalian vertebrate brains look like brains as we know them? But there's two set pieces in this movie that are just absolutely fantastic. Um, which one did you want to talk about Well, first? I'm going to talk about the one that made me say, like, hey, we got to cover this movie. Okay. Is when you have the... It's a couple in a car. Uh, yes. And... One of them was, uh, uh, Miguel Suave. That's right. Future Italian director. Yes. With a spot in our hearts. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you have the woman where she... Because of... I, that whole movie, that's the one that I'm, like... I can watch it so many times and I still never have any idea what's going on. It's such a disjointed movie. Okay, so it's not just me. Maybe it's just me a little bit, but... Yeah. The degree to which it is just me versus the general, like, what the fuck it's is happening. It's funny because uh, my, uh, my drum teacher... Shout out to my, my drum teacher, uh, Sarah Nidor from Final Girls Berlin... Film festival. Or film festival, yeah. She uh, teaches drums. If you want drum lessons, you should look her up. She does them over Skype, and they're great. Anyway, um, she was talking about getting into Italian horror. I mentioned she saw Save the Living Dead. Mm. And she was like, I don't normally like zombie movies, but that movie was dope as hell. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, really? That one's so out there. But yeah. it's like, I guess if you don't like the typical zombie True. movie, then go for the out there ones. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so at whatever point, because of whatever like psychic shit that's going on or something, the woman... Her eyes start bleeding. Yeah, they catch sight of the dead priest. He just like, appears there. Thank you. I forgot there's a dead priest in yeah. it, but of course there is. That's right, because the beginning... Okay. So, see, once I've seen this movie like a hundred times, I might actually remember things without being prompted with yeah. little cues. Anyway. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> her eyes start bleeding, and that in and of itself was already like, whoa, that looks that so one looks good. So good. How they, do they do that? They do such a great job because it doesn't turn into a makeup appliance. It's not mm. like a big gushy thing. Like no. you literally see her fucking eyeballs fill, like the the rims of her eyes fill with blood and it just starts leaking like, down her like face. Like it on her face. And you're like, what the Like hell? It, it looks like she's literally crying blood. Yeah. So they are so effective there. Yes. But they don't stop there. No. <laughs> no, she starts 
regurgitating, throwing up. They are pouring out of her mouth viscera and just, like, internal organs. Yeah. And you said that they actually had her fucking, like, swallow them and start barfing them up. Um, like, spinning up a real, like, tripe. I mean, it does eventually cut to a puppet head, and you can tell it's a puppet head. Sure. And that's when it's, like, gushing out. Yeah, but, like, when it's first just kind of, like, coming out, like... Like just thinking about it, it makes like I can feel that gag reflex in my throat as I'm saying this. The guy from Hereditary hitting his face into the desk, (laughs) wired. The lady from City of the Living Dead regurgitating fucking guts. So yeah, that's. Oh, I mean, yeah. Like I've I've become more desensitized to it, but throwing up was always the thing that like got me. That I'm like I can't do this. Not in real life. Not in movies. Not in anything. Now at least a lot of the time I don't. Know, I feel like they're putting it in everything, and it's usually yeah. funny. So yeah. it's kind of you know exposure therapy or whatever. Oh, that's a cheap get, and it's such an easy. Effect. It is because it affects why, so many people. That's why it's literally in both <laughs> shorts. <laughs> in every script, you right. Yeah, There's some good things. It's in all of our shorts. Okay, the one in donor though is really gross. Oh yeah, yeah, it's so good, but. Yeah, the just it's so effective, but and then just knowing that it's like those are real, like <laughs> gut, like I want to throw up, like it's so effective. Yeah, like just thinking of like the smell and the like, yeah. like it's it's so easy to just go like like get way too into it and be like, oh yeah. my god, I'm gonna be sick. <laughs> so it's effective. It is, and it's just both in its looks and its and it's like when you know what it is when yeah. you when you. You ask, how did they do that? And you learn the possibility. They did it. <laughs> they did it. And you're like, Ugh. <laughs> Yeah. It does not remove the magic. It uh, yeah. it sours it, certainly. There's another fantastic effects set piece in this one that is does not rely on Butcher Shop Awful or anything <laughs> like that. Uh, it's 100% effects makeup, but it mm-hmm. is damn effective. Mm. And this is when the character Bob, played by Giovanni Lombardo Radice, who's called actor, he's the guy who said that uh, De Niro would kick him for Lindsay's mm. ass. Back um, to Rome. Back to Rome. Uh, there's a scene where he gets attacked by this old crotch dude in his garage because he's looking for a place to sleep, and the dude thinks he's after his daughter. Yeah. So he's just like, fuck you. And he starts choking him out. And the guy's like, please, I wasn't going to do anything. I'm not going to do anything. And then overreaction of the century <laughs> the dad looks over and sees this giant like drill lathe it looks like a fucking lathe with a fuck off drill bit that's like the size of my forearm and then he's just like oh sweet and he turns it on and then just slowly pushes the guy's head onto it and it's like yeah. the slowest kind of thing like great tension and like you big dread buildup. There's a lot of that, like, how's he gonna get out of this? Or it's like, oh, they're not gonna show it. And then just when he gets there, he's like, oh, he's not gonna escape. They show the whole thing. They fucking thing. show it. They show the whole thing effectively, too, where the mm-hmm. drill goes in one side, out the other side, and there's even a final shot of, like, I, it still kind of blows, like, I'm still not 100% sure how they pulled this off, but it's just a shot of his face with the drill stuck through the side, his temples, and it's still spinning. Yeah, and his head somehow didn't detach and start spinning around in circles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it looks like they stuck a drill through his head. Yeah, for reals. So it's very effective, mm-hmm. and, um... This movie just does a great job of that. So it's interesting seeing some of the really cheap effects that would come out in other Fulci movies. Um, He had great effects throughout his career, but there were some noticeably cheap ones, like the Mm -hmm. fake bat in House by the Cemetery. (laughs) Although I contend that, like, you know, Italian horror, Italian films, like, going back to those gothic horrors, it's like, oh, we need a bat because we can. Like, that's the weakest part of Suspiria, where it's just like, (laughs) rubber bat attack! (laughs) Um, Or there's a... They, they upped the ante on that for Manhattan Baby, where it's a taxidermied bird attack. 
Of course, I'll give them some credit because like the birds are taxidermy, so of course they're gonna look a little stiff. But, but at least they're real. Yeah, it's uh, fuck. But but the thing is, they have set pieces. Mm-hmm. Even if the effects don't quite work, they commit to the yes. ridiculousness of them, and that that's what really works. You can appreciate that. Yeah. So super duper effective, even if just to make you laugh and have some fun. Which is very much needed in these times. Yeah. So, recommendations. I guess we didn't do a traditional episode, so let's oh. not do traditional recommendations. Instead, uh, what's, like, a great effects piece for you? What's something that you'd recommend is, like, mm. this is the money, this is this is one of my favorite things? Well, I was thinking, because I was trying to think of in terms of our more traditional recommendations, I was just going to recommend the Alien series. Cool, that works. Yeah, yeah. just because... Especially, like, with the first one, there... I remember you pointed this out after the first time I had seen it, but there are shots where, like, that they do a very good job of, job of showing just how much you need to see, because yeah. if they showed any longer, you'd quickly realize that it was a this guy... A guy a, a just a guy in a suit. But yeah. because they trick the angles, they trick the eye, they show you just how much you need to see to build that dread, to build that effect, yeah. then you're like, oh my god, it's a fucking monster. Yeah. And it does that very effectively throughout. Now that's a great that's a great example of playing to your strengths mm-hmm. when it comes to these effects because they have a very good looking costume and yep. the alien looks fantastic. Absolutely. But at the end of the day it's a guy in a costume. Yeah. And um, that's what it's gonna clock to. If you just like if they have a scene where the alien is slowly walking down a, a brightly lit hallway <laughs> just for thirty seconds, just slowly come close to the camera, you'd be like, Well, okay. That's Magic not is gone. <laughs> Exactly, but when you have the, like, rising up and creeping up behind the unsuspecting yeah. person or something, it's just like, oh my god, that thing is huge and monstrous and scary yeah. and slimy and... Ugh. I love an alien through when they made the little alien costume for the dog. And they just have, like, a fucking whippet or whatever running around dressed as an alien, and that's how they I get some about of that. that. So good. <laughs> Doesn't look like a person in a suit, mm-hmm. that's for sure. True. Cool, cool. My recommendation is going to be the OG Child's Play. Ah. I love that fucking animatronic Chucky. Yes. Such a great use of animatronics. And by having it as like a doll with the blinking eyes that can talk and all that stuff, the roboticness of it only works better. It's only perfect. And when it slowly starts shifting in the final act from that totally stiff doll roboticness to something more organic and like that they they tread that line really fucking well absolutely like when he's all charred and burned up and slowly walking down the hallway his arm just fucking shot off and stuff (laughs) no i love the effects in that and Mm -hmm. it's funny because you don't really think of it as much of an effects movie right but i mean they had the puppet and they had the animatronic team exactly so i'll be interested to see what they do with the Chucky series coming mm-hmm. out because I believe they mentioned it's going to be mostly puppets. Dope. So I'd hope so because they kind of stuck with that throughout the series, at least for uh, Dom and Genies. Mm-hmm. Once I haven't seen the remake. Mm. But yeah, Child's Play. Hell yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully, if anything, it was just a nice distraction. Yeah. Just take your mind off shit. Once again, thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll hopefully. I'll say we'll see you next time, but we won't see shit. But, you know. <laughs> hear? Listen? I don't you, know. You'll hear Encounter. us next time. <laughs> assuming you tune in. Mm-hmm. Take it easy, keep it sleazy, and stay safe. <laughs>